Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Take your Bible with me and open it. I want to talk to you today about the subject. I, I titled it today. Becoming heavenly-minded to accomplish earthly good. Living in light of eternity, judgment, and reward. This is not the offering. Becoming heaven, so if you're a cheapskate, you can loosen up and just enjoy the message and then tighten back up again at the end. Becoming heavenly-minded to accomplish earthly good. Living in light of eternity, judgment, and reward. Most people in here, if not everybody, would be familiar with the saying, he's so heavenly minded, he's of no earthly good, which isn't really a possible statement. You can meet people that kind of like have like a pretend Christianity. Do you ever notice that this church, as much as we emphasize signs and wonders and the power of the Holy Ghost, we don't really have any flaky people here. And if we do, they only last about a Sunday or two because we also include work, that a man that doesn't work shouldn't eat. Flakes don't like that. Flakes want to think, think that Christianity is being in a room and just listening to worship music and waving flags and stuff like that, but that's not Christianity. The Bible says a man that doesn't work shouldn't eat, and then we also, if you want to run weirdos out of your church, you emphasize tithes and offerings because weirdos don't like to give. Weirdos don't produce anything. Anytime we've had to throw a weirdo out of our service, not here, we haven't had to do it here, but I've been traveling and preaching for 21 years. I've, no, I've noticed a family never leaves with them. If somebody's disrupting the service or causing a problem and you kick them out, they always leave by themselves because they don't have a functional life. Real Christianity is not an escape from a dysfunctional life. Real Christianity causes you to produce lasting fruit in this life. Can you say amen? So when you hear people say somebody's so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good, they're basically just saying the person's a space cadet. But it... No one was more heavenly minded than Jesus Christ. And Jesus so impacted the world in three and a half years that here we all are almost 2,000 years later, 1,990 years or so later after his ministry, meeting every Sunday, and they're meeting all over the world and have already met all over the world in Asia and Africa because being heavenly minded will actually cause you to be a massively impactful person. You read stories in the Bible. Moses, Noah, Abraham, Elijah, and we could go on and on. King Solomon, King David. Anyone that had an encounter into the realm of eternity now treated this life very differently. If you don't understand eternity, then when a pastor calls 21 days of prayer and fasting, it sounds insane. What's he trying to do? Kill everybody? Why do we have to not eat and pray every day? That sounds insane. It is insane. If all you're living for is this earth, and the only power you're drawing from is this earth. And in America, you can live pretty well. Never accessing heaven. Never having any prayer life. You can do very well. If you're not doing well, you can go downtown and fill out forms, and they'll make sure you have Wi-Fi and food to eat, and an air-conditioned and heated home. So in America, you don't need to access the supernatural provided your only goal in life is to eat and sleep, 
Go out to Applebee's once a month. If that's your goal, then there is no need to pray and fast. But if you're, and I was looking around during praise and worship, I, when I turned around and looked at the whole crowd. When you're looking, and I, the world changers that are here, and great business people. You know, there's people showing up for fasting and prayer that have major responsibilities and major commitments. Because this is a room full, like I said, how you run weirdos out if you leave those parts of the gospel out. On the flip side, when you preach what Dr. John G. Lake called a strong man's gospel, it's like a dinner bell or a magnet for people that have a hunger on the inside of them, not just to subsist. What do you want at your funeral? 30-some people, and them have to make up some generic funeral speech. He had a smile that could light up a room. Everybody was better for having met him, and then just insert the name. Or do you want like what William Booth had, where they had to have the funeral all week in London because of the crowds that he impacted? Billy Graham's funeral in the rotunda reserved for presidents in Washington, D.C., because he made eternal impact. You listen to me on this second Sunday of 2023. Your life will make eternal impact in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe that, can you say amen? So I wanted to take, and I should have done it before, we're going into the second year, but I wanted to take a whole Sunday and talk to you about the subject of eternity, life after death, the spiritual realm, the thing Jesus was trying to get people's minds on, that there's more to life than living and dying. There really is a heaven. There really is a hell. There really is a devil. There really are demons. There really is a God. There really is a Holy Ghost. There really are angels. And the Bible is loaded with that. It seems like churches pick one or the other. They're either all life principles and how to, how to run your life. And the Bible does have wonderful principles that we focus on at this church. The Bible will show you how to be a leader. It will show you how to run a business. It will show you how to run your finances properly. But then... You have this other side. It's like people will only focus on that. You never hear about anything about heaven or hell or the supernatural. Then you have other churches, all they focus on is heaven. And there's not, well, just whatever lot you have in life. Some are rich, some are poor. Just hang on till the end, and then you'll go to heaven. But the Bible, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, the Bible says, Godliness is profitable unto all things, holding value or promise in the life that now is, and in the life that is to come. Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.8. Timothy, godliness is profitable. Everybody say profitable. The Bible doesn't make you subsist. The Bible makes you overflow and operate in abundance. Timothy, godliness is profitable, not just to eternity, not just to this life. Godliness is profitable unto all things, holding value. In the life that now is and in the life that is to come. The Bible touches both worlds. The Bible teaches you how to be a success, a hero in this life and in the world to come. Take your Bible and open it with me to Mark chapter 8. Mark the 8th chapter. Verse 31. Mark 8, 31. Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things 
and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him for saying such things. Bad move. Jesus turned around, looked at the disciples, and then said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's point of view. Anytime you go to press in to do the will of God for your life, somebody's going to feel the need to pull you aside and rebuke you. You're going to church again? Didn't you go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday? What are you, becoming a nun? Jesus was telling them the will of the Father for his life, and Peter said, listen, you need to calm down. You need to go to Jerusalem and die. Jesus said, get the... And now, Jesus and Peter were tight. Jesus turned the keys of the kingdom over to Peter. But anytime somebody's used to discourage your destiny, you have to realize it's the devil talking. The devil wants you to live the kind of life I was just making fun of, where you just, just get by. I believe in church. I don't think you got to go every day like you people do. That's the devil. He doesn't want you to press in because he knows if you press in and start to receive all that God has for you, not only is his hold on your life over, not only is his hold on your family over, you're going to start changing the world by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Audio good or not good? Okay. Let's give it a second shot. And then if it doesn't work this time, if you recently lost your job, we will have employment openings in our media department, and you can fill out a form at the end of the service. Go ahead and roll. No pressure. Roll that again. We feel that our family, you know, this church was put here for us. Like, we are local people. This is our community. And, you know, my, my child, she, she wouldn't want to come to church with me. She didn't. I fought with her. I fought with her. I'm like... You have to come. You have to come. And she's like, oh, you know, I'm tired or I'm depressed or I just don't, I'm not doing well. And I'm like, no, you, you need to get under this church. You need to get under this youth group. And she, she did. She came. She was struggling with so many, so many things. And she's just a completely different person. All glory to God. You, you don't have to say anything you don't want to say, but tell, tell me, like, what change you felt from before you came till, till now? Well, I was, I'm just completely different. I, like, I thought I was a boy. I thought I sat there, and I told my mom, and I sat there, and I th thought I was a boy, and I thought that so hardly and I was depressed I wouldn't want to come out of my room I didn't want to go to school I hated church I told myself that I was a Satanist I I did not believe in God I told myself I did not believe in God that I would never believe in God that that was never where I was going to be in my life and then coming I came to I started coming to church the night he gave uh, the motorcycle away and that was the first service and I remember I sat there and I sat there like all like angry cross-legged like how much did you hate me when you first heard me? 
oh, I hated you with a passion. <laughs> like, when I first met you, no like was for you at all. And whenever people would clap at things, I would sit there still cross-armed, just like stern face. And then like mom had me keep coming and coming. And then um, Pastor Kofi had me meet Pastor Maddie. And then I met some of the youth kids and I started going to youth. And that is what really helped me find God. Glad we can be friends now. So proud of you. Can you say amen? So these endeavors aren't wastes of time. When you touch heaven, heaven touches your life and family. Now, this is something I've come across before, but I never saw it in video form. And I want to, this is only two minutes long. This is a, something that took place in America in 1857. They're not going to mention Pittsburgh specifically when they mention the cities it happened in. But it, it, it touched Pittsburgh, 1857 to 1858. There were 6,000 people meeting in this city every day at noon for prayer. And it was common to see signs on the businesses downtown. Closed for prayer meeting at noon will reopen when prayer meeting concludes. Go ahead and roll it. The United States, 1857. Slavery, rebellion, rumors of war. In three years, Americans would turn on each other and make history. But in 1857 New York City, history, the kind textbooks don't mention, was already happening. The date was September 23rd. A Christian layman named Jeremiah Lamphere held his first ever businessman's prayer meeting in Lower Manhattan. It was not, by all accounts, a rousing success. He passed out flyers for weeks. Six men attended. Two weeks later, the stock market crashed. Thousands of families lost all they had, and one of the greatest spiritual awakenings the world has ever seen began. Week by week, Jeremiah Lamphere's tiny lunch hour prayer meeting grew larger and larger. By December, his six men had become 10,000 men, and they met not every week, but every day. The New York newspapers took notice. And when word spread to other cities, spontaneous revival broke out across the country. In Cleveland and St. Louis, thousands of people packed downtown churches and theaters three times each day just to pray. In Chicago, churches had to have waiting lists for people wanting to teach Sunday school. And all across America, pastors were baptizing 20,000 new believers every week. The revival eventually spread around the world in England, entire towns were converted. Some towns disbanded their police force because of a lack of crime. And so many people came to Christ, churches had to hold services outside just to accommodate the crowds. The world had seen nothing like it, before or since. 
global revival. God started it with one man. It changed the course of history. And now, in today's world, people need to know, can history repeat itself? Can it happen again? Can it happen again? Will it happen again? Now, Friday is all night prayer after, after Brother Jesse concludes. And uh, I would love for that place, I think we had a little over 100 when we did it last year for the first time, and we're having way more people come out now. I would love to see that 107 Patent Drive full for that Friday night all night prayer. So how do you do all night prayer? You pray till it's morning time. That's how. And uh, that would be a great, great dishonoring and disrespect to the devil. It would show the devil that all the tens of trillions of dollars he spent on media and marketing and movies and public school curriculum and university curriculum, he failed. He's not going to have America. The American people are going to pray and we're going to see God's hand heal our land in Jesus' name. I said we're going to see God's hand heal our land in the name of Jesus Christ. Eternity. We need God. We need heaven. We need men to have an awareness of eternity, and it has to start in the house of God. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way of life. Take up your cross and follow me. What does that mean? Take up your cross. We're all carry a cross around Pittsburgh all week. People say, what's that for? I've become a Christian. Your cross is your personal responsibility. How many of you were here the Sunday Dag Haywood Mills was here? Preached a message. They weren't preaching in America. That's why you had to bring somebody from overseas to preach it. Dying, sacrifice, loss, and suffering. Not cancer. Not disease. Putting aside your way of living and shouldering your cross, which is your person, your, your cross is your personal responsibility to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ in your generation. If anybody wants to be my follower, he must put away, aside his own way of living, take up his cross, and follow me. Now here's a, a, a spiritual law that can't be broken. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. How come only six people were coming to prayer when that guy started the prayer meeting? They had their own life. I don't need that. I'm an investor in the stock market. Then the stock market crashes. When's that prayer meeting again? So why wait till you lose everything to find God? Can you call out to God in a jail cell? Yes. Can you call out to God in a methadone clinic? Yes. Can you call out to God in a, in a heroin flop house when you're close to overdosing? Yes. But why do it then? As someone that found God when I was four. As I say, I found God. I can hear my grandfather's voice from the pulpit. Don't ever say you found God. He wasn't lost. You were. When God found me at four years old, I gave my life to him. And it's caused me to avoid all the... There's no, it, nothing feels like a sacrifice. Because if you try to keep your life for yourself, not you might lose it, you will lose it. But if anyone gives up his life for my sake and 
the sake of the gospel, he will find true life. That's why we're praying now. I went to, there's, there's a church in Washington County, Central Assembly of God in Houston, uh, Pennsylvania. That's in Washington County. I clearly remember when we invaded Iraq, Operation Desert Storm, we were doing Desert Shield to help protect them, and then Desert Storm uh, to move in and, and clear Saddam Hussein out. And uh, I remember when they announced that, that that war had happened, though it was during the week, Wednesday night Bible study, they had to set up two extra chairs on each side of the pew. Wednesday night was packed like Easter Sunday because people were nervous. Why do people only like engage God when they're nervous, when things aren't going well? They'll come and get a miracle and go right back to their old way of living. What happens if you, you know these 21 days of prayer and fasting? I don't have, in the natural, I don't have need of anything. All my needs are met personally in the ministry, money in the bank. I refuse to be that kind of person that uses God to get me back to zero, out of the pit, back on level ground. All right, see you next time I'm in a pit. Why go from crisis to miracle to crisis to miracle when you can go from glory to glory, victory to victory, and strength to strength? And that's why we're praying now. I'm not waiting until China invades through Canada to start getting desperate for God. I'm not waiting until there's some kind of coordinated Muslim jihadist attack on the country. Then they start going after the First and Second Amendment during war. I'm not waiting for that. I'm not waiting until America's at the brink of ruin to start praying. See what's coming down the pike, and we make up our mind. No, we're going to be a bright light in darkness, and the light is not going to be driven out by the darkness. The darkness shall be driven out by the light. Living with eternity in mind. If you want to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and the sake of the gospel, you'll actually find true life, abundant life. How many of you can testify that that's true today? And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world? We have large church attendance, as you can see. So this is not because we're sitting here with 20 people and people don't come to church. You know, I can't come on Sunday. I have to work. What? Why? Because I, I get paid. If they gave you the whole company, forget your paycheck. If they turned all the stocks of that company over to you, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul in the process? You're not choosing between poverty, but you serve God, or plenty, and you go to hell. The richest men of all time were God-fearing men. But you have to first order your life that it's God first and everything else a distant 25th. There's no contest. There's no 1 through 24. There's God first. Abraham, offer thy son, thy only son Isaac. See in the morning at where you told me to offer him. No questions asked. Abraham, circumcise every man in your household, 318 of them. You got it. Get a knife. Boys, make sure this is all done in the morning. There's no questioning. Abraham was a God-first man. Isaac, God-first man. Jacob wanted God so bad that he tricked his brother out of having the birthright so that he could have it. God-first. And if you do, you'll find true life. And what would you benefit if, anyway if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul in the process? 
You think people that have money are happy? The highest rate of suicide is not among the poor. It's not among the middle class. It's not even among the rich. It's among the ultra-rich. What good is it to have a 12,000-square-foot home and your three kids that live there with you hate you, curse at you every day? Your second wife hates you. She's texting all day, and you know it's with another guy, but you don't feel like dealing with it. You just live there and drink to erase it. The way they teach you to live in this world, all you do is you get to be miserable in a nicer car and miserable in a bigger home. But when you have God, when you have your life prioritized, you actually can enjoy the wealth that God gives you. Can you say amen? And what, what, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul in the process? Is there anything worth more than a man's soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, and these, listen to this, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, there's a lot of people, like, not here, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of ministers that are ashamed of things that, well, I didn't write it. Do you believe this? Well, you got to remember, I didn't write that. You know, yes, it is in there, and there's some things. We, no, you're ashamed. If you put me on The View and those four ladies wanted to ask me any question about, I wouldn't care. I, 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 I'm happy about everything this says. I don't care what Viacom thinks about the Bible. None of their executives can keep their marriage. All these people that criticize the Bible, where's their life? This thing works. This is an unshakable foundation for living. I'm proud of the Bible. I'm proud of my God. I enjoy wearing the insults of this world. This anti-sin preacher. Yes, anti-sin. Very anti-sin. Sin destroys people. I don't like it. I love God. He's holy. He's wonderful. God's perfect. Can you say amen? I played that clip this week of Billy Graham on Woody Allen, and Woody Allen took some shot at God. And Billy Graham, <laughs> being a strong dude, said, oh, no, God's perfect, Woody. His ways are perfect. I don't care what the Los Angeles government thinks about the Bible. Your city is destroyed from you rebelling against the Bible. I know what this book does. Kofi, from the time you found the Bible till now, doing better or worse? Yeah, much better. God will deck you up. God, I'm telling you what from the words of Jesus. Anyone that's ashamed of me, not just me, and my message in these sinful and adulterous times, what did he finish? The Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. But then on the flip side, those that aren't ashamed. What did Paul say in Romans 1.16? I didn't write it. I know God said a lot of things, but, you know, we just said. I am not ashamed. Say out loud, I'm not ashamed. Of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it alone is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. I'm not ashamed of it because it, that Bible, the message of Jesus Christ is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm proud of it. On the flip side, just like Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you when I come back. But if you live in this sinful, adulterous time, 
and you're proud of God, you love God, you love his word, God will go out of his way to make you a walking billboard that you're his child. Then again, will you see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who serve him not? Malachi chapter 3, end of the chapter, last paragraph. Mark 8, 31 to 38. Everybody say, I'm not ashamed. Go to Lakewood, New Jersey on a Saturday. Watch all those Hasidic Jewish men and women and families all walk in the synagogue. They don't care. Look at you wearing those old black suits. Those aren't even in style. Nobody wears their sideburns down to here curled. They don't care. They're proud not to be Gentile. Yeah, but you don't look like us. We don't want to look like you. Watch people of the Islamic faith go to the mosque. They're not dressed Western. They detest the West. I was listening to the people in Qatar during the World Cup just mock the decadence of the West. They actually have transgendered men teach their children just laughing. They're right. Listen to Russia mock it. Who brainwashed you on TV and public school that that stuff's normal? And then now, forget the world accepting it. You have the church start to accept it. You say, well, that's how the world believes. That's not how the world believes. 80% of the world thinks it's nuts. We're not fitting Christ. We're not trying to change Jesus to fit American culture. We are taking the power of Christ. Like you saw in that video testimony. That people that are lost and dying and confused can come in contact with the resurrected Christ, have the chains of sin broken off of them, and be saved by the power of God. All right, I got to move or we'll be here all day. Hebrews 9.27. Hebrews 9.27. Hebrews 9.27 and 28. And just as it is appointed to every man to die once. Die how many times? What do you think you come back as after you die? You don't. It is appointed unto every man to die once. You know, I had a, a, a Buddhist, when, I, when, when Adonis and I were starting that church in Hawaii, we had a Buddhist man get saved, radically saved. And he asked me if I could give him a ride from Hana to Kahului because he was going to fly out. And that's where the airport is. It's a two-hour drive. I said, yeah, no problem. So we're driving. That was one of the most enjoyable drives I ever took because he had never heard the gospel before. Never, didn't know a thing about God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, nothing. So he's in the back seat asking me questions. And I love answering questions about the Bible. So I just go on. So he goes, well, now that I'm a Christian, what will I reincarnate as? I said, you know, Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed to every man, wants to die, and after that, the judgment. So when you die, you either go to heaven if you've repented of sin and received Christ, or you go to hell and burn there for eternity. They can light all the candles at the Vatican or at the Polish Catholic Church or wherever. No, nothing the living do can affect the destiny of people once they die. You decide while you're alive where you go. His eyes got, I still remember looking in the rearview mirror how big his eyes were. He went, then we need to tell everybody. I said, I know. I'm working on it. 
You know, right now, this is playing in Russia. We're on Russian television. You know how hard it was to get on Russian television last year without getting flagged by the Department of Defense, transferring money from our ministry to Russia? Ukraine is watching. All Slavic countries, all Baltic countries, Moldova, Belarus. Why? Because I want to be famous in Belarus. I want to go to Minsk and have people ask for my autograph. No. Because what that Buddhist said in the back seat is absolutely the truth. We got to tell everybody that one day you can eat all the organic greens you want, you're still going to die. It's a very sobering, unencouraging thing to say on Sunday morning. But the truth is, you know, it's like if you ever watched, like, it, like, like churches when they had old church photos. You know, like if you took a church photo from like 1983, almost all those people are gone. Living with eternity in view. I'm not going to be here forever. I was listening to John Osteen's, Joel's father's last televised sermon before he died. And his, the title of the message was, he Heaven is my final destination. Anybody that makes an impact has heaven in mind and eternity in mind. And people that get screwed up lose their knowledge of eternity. You can't get somebody on drugs that, that is thinking about keeping my garments white. You know, even when it comes to faith, the Bible says all who believe these things have this confident expectation that Christ will return for them and keep their garments white unto his appearing. I was typing in, uh, speaking of Maui, I went to go eat at a, at a fish market there. I went in my rental car and was typing in my address to where I was going to preach. And this woman came up and, and, and uh, offered to get in the car with me. And, you know, she was a prostitute. So would, you, would you mind if I get in your car? I said, who sent you? And she, she backed up. My first thought when that happened was, you know, I have a mirror in my home. I know I'm not attractive enough for women to cross the sidewalk to see if they can get in my car with me. So my first thought, someone somewhere with a camera and you're trying to ruin my ministry at 31 years old. Me, she's, she's, she, no one sent me. I said, uh, can I, so can I come in your car? I said, no. She said, why not? I said, because me and you are going in two different directions. Said, well, you should have witnessed to her. You know, when the police come, they don't believe you're witnessing to her. So sometimes you got to use your old brain. Can you say amen? No, you can't get, there's no time for that. This life, the Bible says, is but a vapor. Here today and gone tomorrow. That's why people start wigging out when they turn 45, 50, 55. I'm going to be stuck with this woman the rest of my life. You know, I should be able, I should find someone who really loves me. I want to find some woman who wants to have sex six times a day. And the devil starts getting you attracted to some life that doesn't even exist. They will leave their husband, and it happens all the time. They leave their family because the devil gets you short-sighted. Ask any drug dealer where he wants to be in 25 years. He'll tell you. I've talked. I won't be alive. I'm not doing it. I'm just trying to get money, man, to eat. I don't have food. We have a guy that comes to church here that went to jail as a child for selling heroin. He was 11 or 12 in another country. He didn't have any food in the house. So everything the devil does is about now. There's no long-term plan. Now, I'm unhappy now. But what God gets you focused on like 200 years from now. You know why I'm doing what I'm doing right now? Because the only thing I can have with me 
200 years from now that I have with me right now is you. You know, John Rockefeller, that was by far the richest man in the world, there's nothing he had that I would want now. I'm not saying that as a spiritual person. Do you want a nice carriage? The things he had don't even matter now. He had oysters. I can go get oysters in, in, in another uh, January 22nd. Anywhere I want. All the things he enjoyed as the richest man, they don't matter anymore. The things the richest people in the 1800s had, he had his own steamship. You can have it. The only thing that I can have with me 200 years from now that I have right now is my own soul, a dollis. I can have her with me. I know they, the Bible says that you won't be married in heaven or given in marriage, but I told her, I actually enjoy being around you so much. Even though we can't be married, you can come over to my mansion and we'll hang out. You can tidy it up a little bit. Amen. Camila, I can have Camila with me. I can have you. I can have you. I can have you guys. I can have Pastor Dean and, and his wife. I can have I can have you. I want I want to take you with me to heaven. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul in the process? Is there anything worth more than a man's soul? A man's soul has more value than all the Breitling watches put together. All the Patek Philippe watches put together. All the Ferraris. Even when you look at old photos, like, like uh, I follow Sylvester Stallone on Instagram just to feel shame that someone looks that good at 75 and I look like this at 42. Yeah, but he takes stuff. Yes, could I have a list of those things, please, so I can also take them? He gave his life to the Lord recently. His brother Frank led him to the Lord. He posted an old photo from 1985 when he was, like, just coming up as a movie star, and he was, like, posing with his new Ferrari. You wouldn't even want that Ferrari now, and if, if you wanted it, you could buy it for next to nothing. 1985 Ferrari Testarossa. The things that matter now, you realize, like, I have a nice vehicle. One day I'll have to explain to my grandkids, if Jesus tarries, what it is. You mean you drove on the ground? How long did it take? If I had a super nice, like let's say I had a Citation 10 jet. It's great. But they're going to come out in a year and a half with supersonic ones that can go, uh, that'll fly like at 70,000 feet for passengers and can go to like London from Pittsburgh in like an hour. Go to Hawaii in like an hour and 10 minutes. So those would be old generation aircraft. But I said, one time I had a plane. Oh, the old kind? Boy, how long did it take you? People would be like, sad. So all the things people are tripping over each other for and suing each other for and lying about their coworkers to get a promotion, those, those things don't have value in eternity. That's why Jesus, who came from heaven, wasn't looking to get, he was looking to touch people because people are what has the value. When we did our first crusade in North Philadelphia, cost about $138,000, it was the second poorest, second most violent part of any city in, in the United States. And I felt to go reach them, spend all that money. The offerings were like uh, $2,100. 
So you spend $138,000 to make $2,100. That's not really like a business plan that's going to have Forbes magazine call you. I went to go preach on Tuesday night, and there was an old preacher standing right where I was going to park. I said, why are you here, Brother Farina? He said, the Lord spoke to me to come and tell you something. So I lifted my hands. He said, the Lord wanted me to tell you, because you've gone after people that no one wants, he'll now begin to give you people who everyone wants. Because that's, God does everything in reverse of the world. You think the secret to building the ministry is trying to collect all the bankers. And I've heard preachers say it to me when I was a young preacher. Boy, I wish the Lord would just send us like a banker and a lawyer and we could be. No. What did Jesus say? Go to the broken, the crippled, the halt, the maimed. Go reach them. Go to the blind. Go to the leper. And when you begin to touch people and reach people, God will give you. Seek ye first, Matthew 6, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things that everyone's tripping over and skipping church for and training their children to go after. I'll just add them unto you if you put me and my kingdom first. appointed unto every man wants to die after that the judgment 28 so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people he will come again say out loud Jesus will come again not to deal with our sins but to bring salvation to all who eagerly wait for him not to everybody to all who eagerly wait for him why are you in church on Sunday? Because there's something in you. <laughs> and, and that's why it's hard for me not to get super happy every Sunday morning when I come out and see you. Because like I mentioned, with all that advertising and movies and God mocking and public school curriculum, it missed you somehow. God put something in you that says, no, I'm not getting short-term focused. I'm going to live my life ready for the coming of the Lord. Come on, if that sounds like you, put those anointed hands together. Let heaven hear that they have a mighty army in Pittsburgh. Somebody shout hallelujah. Turn to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, 7. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about the things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was a foreigner living in tents. So did Isaac. So did Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. A city whose builder and maker is God. Skip down to verse 22. Sorry, 24. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people. Chose to share the oppression of God's people. When they started arresting preachers in March 2020, 
If you followed my ministry, I did everything I could to try to get arrested. I had a preacher come and say, if you keep doing what you're doing, they're going to arrest you. I said, that's my goal. If they're arresting people for having church on Sunday, I'm ashamed to not be in a jail cell. Choosing to share. Choosing. He could have grown up in Pharaoh's house, but he chose to share the oppression of God's people rather than be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to a great reward. He was looking ahead to a great reward. Faith looks ahead to an eternal reward. I will not bow my knee to this world. You don't have the reward for me that God can give me. What could you give me, Mr. Devil, that God doesn't have under his pinky finger? He was looking forward to a great reward. I pray that that would come into your spirit on this Sunday, that for the rest of your life you would have eyes for the great reward that's awaiting you in eternity. Let me read one more that I didn't put in the notes. Turn to Acts chapter 7. Becoming heavenly minded to accomplish earthly good. Living in light of eternity, judgment, and reward. Acts 7. This is Stephen preaching in the early church. Acts 7.51, you stubborn people, you're heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That was what your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law even though you received it from the hands of angels. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation, and they ground their teeth with rage. You know, you, know, you know your sermon's not going good if some of you started to stand up and grab your white chair and hold it like Nolan Ryan getting ready to throw a baseball. I've heard enough of this message. But look what happened. But Stephen, full of the Holy Ghost, but Stephen, full of the Holy Ghost, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man is standing at the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and said, and laid them at the feet of the young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this. And then he died, living with eternity in view. They're getting ready to kill him. I see Jesus, and he's standing. Now, my Bible tells me when Jesus ascended into heaven, what did he do at the right hand of his father? 
sat down. But when Stephen saw me, he was standing up. So I believe that when Stephen preached that sermon and stayed faithful to God's word and they were getting ready to kill him, the angel that normally receives you into heaven, Jesus said, you can go back to what you're doing. I'm going to take this one. Great job, Mr. Stephen. Felt like I was watching me when I was watching you. I've thought of that before. I want Smith Wigglesworth, when he watches from heaven, to go, good job, son. That's how I used to preach. That's how I prayed for the sick. I want John G. Lake to think that when he watches over the balcony of heaven. Good job taking the torch and carrying it to another generation. I don't want the approval of the ladies on The View or Jimmy Kimmel or any of those other late-night vaccine comedy shows. I want the approval of heaven, and I want to preach that into you today, that you live your life knowing it's not just your boss watching. I was listening to a guy who I like, but he's not a Christian. I'm not judging him. He, he says he's not a Christian. But he's a capitalist, and he said Christianity and Christians are good for capitalism. He said, well, if I ever do a business venture, I'm always happy to partner with Christians because they think there's some unseen person watching everything they do. He said, that helps you in business. They don't steal. They're not worried whether they can get caught on earth stealing. They know there's a God that records everything. Now, that used to be... And I see one, one of my friends here of the same generation. That, that's not what they taught us growing up in church. Be careful, little eyes, what you do. Or be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little eyes, what you see. If something foul comes on the television, I'll turn the channel whether anybody's in there or not. Like, well, he's, he goes to my church. I don't want him to think I watch. I don't. He lived the same way in private that you live in public. There's nothing to bust you on. Because you don't care if the FBI was following me around. And I found, you know, for the last two years, the FBI was following me around. I don't care. Because from the time I was four, I was taught that I've been being followed around. I've told the story before that when, when I was going to Christian school, there was an apartment complex next to the Christian school. And one of the boys on top of the dumpster saw a Playboy magazine. So he comes over. Uh, we were in seventh grade. There's a Playboy. Come back here. We can, we can see it. We have it back by the dumpster where the teacher can't see. I said, no, I'm not going. Why not? No one will know. That's true as far as you're concerned. But my father's spirit is already hovering like somewhere in this area. And I'll probably get spanked just for being tempted. So you can go on without me. One time I came home from Christian school. My dad told me word for word what I had said for my, to my teacher that day. And I never got in trouble for it. Teacher actually laughed. We were having a Christmas party, and they said, does anyone have any suggestions for movies to watch? This was in fourth grade. And that movie, Child's Play 2, had just come out. It was Christian school, so to make my, teach, make my classmates laugh is like a rebellious thing to say. Obviously, they want like a Christian movie. Anyone have any suggestions for a movie to watch? I raised my hand. Yes, Jonathan. How about Child's Play 2 with Chucky? And everyone, look how immature you are. You're still laughing. All my classmates laughed. My teacher, you know, Jonathan, that was it. My first and second grade teachers here, she could tell you, if that was the worst thing I did that day, it was a lucky day. True? <laughs> she didn't care. And I go home for dinner, and my dad had just come off the road. And my, I told my mom, I said, we're having a Christmas party, and I signed you up to make Rice Krispie treats. That's why there's a diabetes problem in America, because that was actually a food we ate. Rice Krispies glued together by marshmallows covered in drizzled sugar. A great meal. No, these are great. My pancreas hurts. 
I said, I signed you up to make Rice Krispie treats. My dad put his fork down and went like this and went, did you ask your teacher if you could watch child's play too? Uh, yes. And he went, don't do that. I went, I won't. May I be excused to go change my pants? I've peed myself a little. No one had to keep a watch on me. You know what? Camila does this all the time, and it reminds me of me when I was little. She rats herself out all the time. Mom and Dad, I did this today. I said this. No, it's okay. It's like a little thing. Their spirits are so tender. I would, I'd go home and just start confessing, hey, I, I did this today. And because you're not worried about getting caught here. You know that everything, do you think God has worse technology than the NSA? And you're not doing it so you can be a good person. God's, so you can be like condemned all the time. Keeping my garments white until the coming of the Lord. Lift your hands all over this big crowd. In the name of Jesus Christ, none of you will have soiled robes when Christ comes back. You'll live 2023. will be the holiest year that you've ever had. And you'll enjoy the blessings of God for no impurity will spoil it in the name of Jesus Christ. If you believe it, shout amen like thunder. Now, this is a story I used to never tell. But when I was eight, my parents sent me up to change for bed in Bridgeville over in those uh, townhouses in Hunting Ridge. And I bent over and picked my pajamas up. And when I looked up, there was an angel on the other side of the bed. And the angel said, only one I've seen before or since. I know you sound like a lunatic when you talk like that, but I'm telling you what happened. Jonathan, I just stood still and listened. It looked like a, people said, what the angel look like? Someone not to be messed with. Jonathan, God has reserved you for this last period of time to be an evangelist, to call those who are now in darkness into the light, to call those who are now in darkness into the light, for soon it will be eternally too late. Do you understand? I said, yes, the angel disappeared, and I was different after that because what I'm going to get across to you from the Bible took place in me that day. I realized there's another realm. One day I'll go into that realm. When I lay, the Bible says, go lay this earthly tent down, thanks to Adam. You weren't created to die, but one day, if the rapture doesn't take place ahead of time, all of us will lay this body down. But we won't die. The body is the earth suit, the earthly tent that you take off. That's why a Christian, a true Christian funeral is nothing like a pagan funeral. No one's crying. It's a celebration because that is, like when I went to my grandfather's funeral and we bury him in his Sunday suit holding the Bible, that's his shell. He's not in there. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Stephen didn't go, I can't believe I'm going to die. No. I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. That's not getting ready to kill him. Wow. This is great. I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. This is amazing. Don't, don't charge this into their account. Mob mentality, they don't even know what they're doing. Into my hands I commend my spirit. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I didn't cry at my grandfather's funeral. 
I want to see him soon. I'm going to see the Christians. The Bible says we don't mourn like those who have no hope. For we know to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. One day we'll cross over into heaven and see all of them again. And the Bible says we'll meet never to part again. And there'll be no more crying, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain. For the old order of things is gone forever. So comfort and encourage each other with these words. If you're thankful for it, can you say amen? Becoming heavenly minded to accomplish earthly good, living in light of eternity, judgment, and reward. Let's talk about eternity. It's the only thing worth living for. If you acquired a ton of land and built a huge home and estate, they can take it from you by eminent domain. Anything in this world can be taken from you. That's why Jesus said, don't lay up treasures here where moth and rust can decay, but lay, but lay up treasure in heaven. Nobody can touch that. The, the IRS does not have jurisdiction in heaven. The, uh, they can't invoke eminent domain and take your heavenly treasure away. If you work to be the best at a corporation, the corporation can get bought by another corporation and they nix all the executive staff of that corporation. I'm not, I'm not trying to, to, to give you a, a, where we're all just going to sell all our clothes and get robes and go sit cross-legged and pray all day. You do what God's assigned you to do, but you realize the only thing that lasts, there's an old Pentecostal song we used to sing in church, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Living life with eternity in mind. Five things I want you to know about eternity. Number one, there's a hell. Luke 16. We've preached a whole Sunday on it, but we have new people coming all the time. Luke 16. I had... Two Jehovah's Witnesses come to my house when I lived in Maine, and uh, somehow I brought up hell. I didn't know what they believed, but they said, we don't believe in hell. Well, they had Bibles. I didn't have one. I said, turn to Luke 16 and just read it to me. And they kept wanting to pause. Well, I said, just read the whole thing. Just read it with no commentary. Luke 16, 19. Jesus said there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich, everybody say heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried. And he went to the place of the dead or Hades or hell. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime, you had everything you wanted, and Lazarus had nothing. So now he's here being comforted, and you're here in anguish. And beside there's a great chasm separating us. Listen, no one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. If you pay money to some smelly woman 
to contact the spirit of your ancestor. You're wasting your money. Once someone's gone, they are in eternity and they can't cross over back to here. That guy John Edwards used to have that show Crossing Over where he contacted a loved one. He said, yeah, but he used to get people's, yeah, sometimes he was off, but sometimes he'd get remarkable details about the person. Do you know why? The Bible says there's a classification of demon spirit called a familiar spirit that familiarizes itself with a dead person's traits, mannerisms, and appearance in order to deceive those who are living. When did you ever hear one of those spirits they contacted said, get to church, repent, and be saved? No. Everyone, feed my cat. Thank you for keeping my picture on your refrigerator. Everything's going to be okay. It's a deceptive spirit. Because if you could talk to an actual man who went to hell, first thing he said is, I'm in torment. Second thing, if you can't help me, send somebody to tell my five brothers about this place so they won't go there when they die. What the rich man said, uh, uh, but Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote anytime they want to. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they'll repent of their sins and turn to God. Now, they called this man in here a rich man, Lazarus. Where do you hear him talk about his property or possession? No, no, no. Doesn't matter now. I had a, a dumb idea one time. We were at the boardwalk in New Jersey. And they had this thing called the slingshot where they flip, they flip you in the air. I didn't know it spun. I like speed, but I can't take. I can't go on a merry-go-round. I, like, I can ride the fastest roller coaster, no problem. But if, if it spins, the teacups at Disney, I was on it with Camilla. I think I'm done for the day, my friend. So I thought they just shot it up in the air and then it went back. But when they shoot it up, it, it spins violently. I told my wife, I wrote it with Mogalis. Me, Adalis, Mogalis, and, and their kids were there. And Adalis weren't gone, so I wrote it with Mogalis. I'm telling you this, hand to God. If they gave me the option two seconds into the flinging of that thing, that you, if, well, let it stop right now. If you liquidate your bank account, turn all your property, all your clothes, I wouldn't have even let them finish the sentence. Done. It's done. And that torment. Won't even, it doesn't even have weeping and gnashing of teeth. Dag Haywood Mills just did a crusade. The theme of the crusade was no more weeping, no more gnashing. Paul said, knowing the terror of the Lord, we do work to persuade men. If people from hell could talk right now. Actually, in Ohio, what was that old show, Unsolved Mysteries? Remember that show? They told on Unsolved Mysteries one time. It's a true story. This guy was a college professor, atheist. He was on vacation with his, this is his story. He, atheist college professor on vacation in France with his girlfriend, and he died. They don't know how. He got sick and passed. He said, I laid in the hospital and went up above my body and could see everybody, and then I didn't know what to do. No one would respond to me. I could see my body there. He said, so I started to just move around the hospital, and he said, after a few minutes, which shows you God has an organized system. God knows everything, but the devil doesn't, so it takes him a few minutes to get to you, I guess. He said, all these fierce-looking creatures, the most horrible things I've seen, started to come down the hall, and they grabbed me, and they dragged me to hell. And he said, I knew one prayer that my grandma taught me. 
Anybody ever hear of the preacher Kenneth Hagin? You know, Kenneth Hagin went to hell. He didn't tell it all the time, but he has a sermon called, I Went to Hell. When he was having that heart problem, he wasn't saved. And when he died, he said, I went down, down, down. And he remembered one prayer and, sh- and shouted out. Now, you can't make a doctrine out of this. If you're holding on that you're going to get to shout out one prayer on the way down, hell's not empty. Broad is the way for the many that choose the easy. But some people made it back. Hagen made it back. How did he live the rest of his life? This guy made it back. He called out. He said, I heard a loud voice in a language I didn't understand, and the demons let me go, and I went back to my body. He resigned his professorship and started a method, or took the pastorate at a Methodist church in Ohio and preaches on hell every Sunday. It's a small church. But he, he has no interest in talking about anything else. He preaches on hell, tells people about hell. People can think what they want about me, but nobody's going to attend this church and on Judgment Day look across at me and go, you never told me. You, know, you told me about life success and happiness, but you never told me there was a heaven and hell. If you go to this church, you know that there really is a heaven. God never wanted anybody to go to hell. Hell was created for Satan and the demons that followed him out of heaven. Hell was not created for man. That's why God sent his son Jesus so you can call on his name and be saved and never know one day in hell. That's why this church is an aggressive, soul-winning church. Why do those people have to put everybody in a stadium? It's sad that that I only had the faith and ability to do do that one for now, but I'm going to keep growing. It's not how many do you want to come to your church. It's how many are you content to leave on the street dying in sin. Jesus didn't die for a select group of people. God so loved, God so loved that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Number one, hell. Number two, go to Revelation 20. Revelation 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. And the books were open, including the book of life. Sorry, I skipped 12. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were open, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Not judged on what they believed, judged on what they, on what they did, because actions prove your belief. And death in the grave gave up their dead. And all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Great white throne judgment. Old preachers used to say, When Jesus came the first time, he stood before Pilate. But the second time, Pilate will stand before him. The next time, he's the judge. And anyone who hasn't received forgiveness is going to have to answer for their sins. All the people with only God can judge me tattoos, he will. That tattoo should should put something in you when you see it in the mirror to, to shape up. Because he will. The books will be open that record what everyone did 
and there will be a great white throne judgment. You don't want to be at that one. You know, you can skip that one. We're not all going to be at that one. I'm not going to be at that one. I've made plans to not be there. That's for those that rejected Christ. Number three. Sorry, I only have four points. I wrote one twice. The great white throne judgment. Number three, now that we've dealt with hell and the great white throne judgment, heaven. Revelation 21. Heaven is not some concocted place that your grandma came up with to get you to behave when you came over her house. This is what the Bible says about heaven. Then I saw, Revelation 21.1, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully adorned for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making all things new. Then he said to me, write this down. For what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And I will be their God and they will be my children. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars. Are you listening to me, Republicans? Are you listening to me, Democrats? All liars will have their place in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Then one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls containing the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come with me. I will show you the bride the wife of the lamb. So he took me in the spirit to a great high mountain and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. I, it shone with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious stone, like jasper as clear as crystal. The city wall was broad and high with 12 gates guarded by 12 angels and the names of the 12 tribes of Israel were written on the gates. There were three gates on each side east, north, south, and west. The wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them was written the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Verse 15, the angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. When he measured it, he found it was a square, as wide as it was long. In fact, its length, width, and height were each 1,400 miles. What's that here past St. Louis? Wide, high, and long. That's quite a city. The wall was made of jasper. This city was pure gold, as clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on foundation stones, inlaid with 12 precious stones. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agat, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, 
The things we give girls to show them we love them, God uses it for fencing. 21, the 12 gates were made of pearls, each gate from a single pearl. And the main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. I saw no temple in the city. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city had no need of a sun or a moon. For the glory of God illuminates the city. And the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light. And the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. His gates will never be closed at the end of the day because there is no night there. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into that city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. My friend, God has a book. My name's in it. I settled that in 1984. I want your name in it. Settle it today. I have a home in that city, the new Jerusalem. Heaven. Say it so the devil can hear you. I'm going to heaven. Nothing's going to keep me out. You can mark that down. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I'm on the straight and narrow path. None shall walk on there but the pure in heart. I'm not backing up. I'm not backing down. No King Nebuchadnezzar can give me a second chance to bow my knee. Bring the fiery furnace on. Bring the lion's den on. I will not bow to Baal nor kiss his face. I'm going to heaven. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 to 15. Point number four. The great reward. They were looking for their great reward. What's he talking about? 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Amazing, wasn't it? To watch that man drop dead on the field at that NFL game. And everybody start praying. And the, and the ESPN analysts start praying. On air, not thoughts and prayers. He said, listen, I don't know how this is going to go over, but I, I just want to bow my head right now and, and begin to pray. Because, you see, that's what the devil does. He shields. The knowledge of eternity is in every person. And he shields mortgage, cares of this life, desire for nice things. But when you come to a brush with death, nobody gets in a near car accident and yells out, Buddha. Buddha! Nobody gets in a car accident and, and yells, Muhammad! Atheists don't yell, nothing! We're all a collection of cells anyway, nothing matters. There's one name that you, you're taught to malign and to put your career over it, but when the rubber hits the road, that name bursts out of your spirit. The name that is above every name, Jesus. Because the knowledge of eternity is in your heart. These are not cleverly crafted stories. This is the Word of God.
and he's alive, that guy. Then they started the football games yesterday, both teams in the center, holding hands and praying. They're not praying to Buddha. They're not praying to an ecumenical, unoffensive God of all religions. Because deep down, everybody knows there's only one God that has power. Hallelujah. T.L. Osborne told that story when the door opened up for him to preach. I think it was in Thailand. They didn't even have a name for God because no one had ever preached the gospel in Asia. When, when Paul went to go into Asia and the Holy Spirit wouldn't let him go, it never went in there. So every time he's preaching to the people, the, 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 counselor, the translator, every time he said God, he'd hear Buddha because the only name for God was Buddha. That's what he said. Why do you keep translating that Buddha? I'm trying to go in a different direction. And I said, that's the only name for God there is in this language. So they actually got together and made up a, a name in that language for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. T.L. Osborne's praying. Father, but no one's getting saved. They're just listening politely. Then T.L. Osborne prays that day. Lord, how can I reach them? How can I reach them? Help me reach. He goes to preach that night, doing his sermon, translator translating. And all of a sudden, the whole crowd, all the Buddhist monks, all the people that came, go like this. As Jesus appeared behind them with his nail-scarred hands while he was preaching, and the whole crowd in mass gave their lives to Christ at that crusade, and the Lord worked with them, confirming what they said with many signs and wonders. Let me tell you something. When you come to the end of your life or when the rapture happens, you're not going to wish these services were shorter. I have to yell like, I'm going to hug Pastor Volk. I'm going to hug my youth pastors in the front row. I've already hugged them this week. The older I get, and I'm not old, but the older I get, everybody that God put in my life to teach me and build the word of God into my spirit, I love them very much. Because you're not meant to go to hell. Why should an American church go all over the world to win people to Christ and give the people here some little 10% powerless message? People are busy here. People should get less busy. People should get busy about eternity. Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, take 3. Verse 1. Everybody say great reward. Uh, I'm going to skip a bunch of verses because I I have trouble reading through the whole thing without commentary. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5. After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the gospel. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Everybody say God gives increase. If you make room for God, God will make room for you. You believe that. God's going to make room for you this year. I said God's going to make room for you this year. Room for your business. Room for your children. God's going to make great room for you this year. God gave the increase. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. Because of God's grace to me, 
I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we've already, we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a what? But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder himself will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Do you know what? Everyone's not going to be equal in heaven. Heaven's not run by Bernie Sanders. Heaven's not communist. Some will be literally rewarded, small reward. Some will receive, according to 1 Corinthians 3, no reward. Some will receive a reward. And some will receive a great reward as determined by your faithfulness in the assignment that God called you to do. If you get a book to start the year, I would recommend Purposes, Plans, and Pursuits by Kenneth Hagin. Because you're not only judged by what you accomplish for the kingdom, but your motives behind why you're accomplishing it. Brethren, I can say with a pure heart that my whole reason to be on television and to have those cameras there and all this is to get the gospel to people. Not to be famous or buy suits. I don't enjoy hooded sweatshirts, to be honest with you. As much as they criticized John Fetterman, I thought, I understand. If you can get away with it, go, go for it. So it's not just my, why. Why? Why, did, why did we fill Highmark Stadium? So I could show people I'm the top evangelist in America? No. For souls. That's why the Lord keeps increasing. Because your motive, my motive, is like what the Apostle Paul said. I have remained faithful to the heavenly vision. When I get to heaven, that's my goal. Is to be able to stand before Christ and say, you sent that angel to my room when I was eight. Go call people that are now in darkness into the light, for soon it will be eternally too late. I kept my end of the deal. I have remained faithful to the heavenly vision. Now, on these 21 days of prayer and fasting, God's going to give you your own heavenly vision. I'm not saying everybody's going to see an angel, but you'll know in your spirit why God put you on this earth. If you're in the business realm, God's going to show you that he didn't put you there to earn a living. He put you there to extract maximum value out of this earth's economy to build the kingdom of God. And you're going to do your business with a different passion this year. Same if you're sports. Get big contracts. Be the best. Put a hurting on... The wealth of the wicked is laid up for who? So understanding heaven doesn't make you want to quit your job. Understanding heaven is to get empowered on Sunday morning and go out and take heathen money left, right, and center, ethically, and without brandishing a firearm. Can you say amen? Because you realize I'm here to build the kingdom of God. God told John Osteen, Joel's father, he had, he had gotten involved with a couple of oil deals in Texas, and they both, he lost all his money both times. And the Lord said to him, what are you doing, John? I called you to preach. He said, yeah, but we're building this church. It's going to take millions of dollars. Back then, millions was like 20s of millions of dollars. God said, don't you worry about that. 
He said, the same way I've anointed you to preach, I've anointed men and women to go, they'll earn more money than you this month than you will your whole life because my anointing's on them. And their passion for God, they'll bring it to the temple. That's what you read in the Old Testament. So living with heaven in mind causes you to be great. You don't compromise. Whatever your hand findeth to do, do it with all your might. I hate when I hear about how an athlete becomes a Christian and all of a sudden now he's like soft. He doesn't tackle the same now. He should tackle harder. He should tackle with an anointing. Well, I'm a believer now, so I don't hit as hard. Talk to Samson. Hit harder. I had a friend that was playing in a no-contact football league that was a believer, and he drilled the guy, knocked him off his feet, and the guy said, I thought you were a Christian. He said, I am. That's why you can still get up. Amen. So you knock him down with an anointing, but there's no injury. Amen. Well, that's not a doctrine, but you get understand what I'm saying. Everybody say, whatever my hand finds to do, do it with all my might. I don't want to hear about any athletes that became Christians and now they're, they're soft. should hit harder. If you're an MMA fighter and you find Christ, you should hit people harder. You should be better. Yeah, but I'm a, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't hurt people. It's not a child. It's another man who signed a contract to get in the ring to fight. My friend, Pastor Tom Leafley, down in Florida, his son, Charles, is almost the number one now ranked amateur. You have to fight so many fights before you can go pro. Number one amateur fighter in Florida. He's, he has three fights that finished in less than 25 or 30 seconds. He's actually having trouble getting a fight now because people don't want to get humiliated in the ring. Trains hard. Doesn't drink. Doesn't go get his body loaded down with venereal diseases from sleeping around after the fight. So there's advantages to serving the Lord. I hope he makes all the money you can make. Keep his heart pure before God. There should be fighters that when they win the belt, Tito's vodka doesn't get all the profits. And the, the, the casino's bar doesn't share in the winnings. There should be people that go home with their wife and then take 10% of that plus a seed and build churches all over the world. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you're getting tired of your business and, you know, I'm just tired of working, I want to do something that impacts heaven. God gave you that job. When we go to build our next building, there should be 10 guys and 10 ladies fighting each other for who gets to write the one check to pay for the whole thing. There's people here today that this time next year, your yearly income will be your tithe in Jesus' name. This ministry took in $7.1 million in 2021. I've been telling you we took in 14 and a half this year. Patrick just did the numbers. It's closer to 15.2. At this time last year, I was wondering how we were going to pay for TV and a stadium in Sturgis. But if you do what God calls you to do, you're going to find out there is no shortage of wealth in heaven for those that live with eternity in mind. One more time, go ahead and clap those hands to the Lord. Now, any sermon that doesn't give you something to do is just performance theater. You're just watching a guy in a navy blue suit crying, sweat. You think, wow, how passionate he is. Now that we know these things, who in here wants to have no reward when you see Jesus? The Bible says he'll drive the tears from their eyes. They'll be greatly ashamed. There's going to be Christians that make heaven that realize they never did one thing that impacted anybody the whole time they were here. Everybody say, that's not me. Everybody say, I'm going to receive a great reward. 
Well, how do you do it? Number one, don't lay up treasures where moth and rust can decay. Matthew 6, 16 to 24. Don't focus on earthly treasure. The goal of our ministry isn't to have like, we have 20 million in the bank. It's to have 20 million souls in heaven. The money is a tool to get them in heaven. So it's not don't earn money. It's labor not to be rich, the Bible says. Labor to receive riches to build eternal wealth. Can you say amen? Number two, win souls. Luke 16, John 3, 34 to 36. The fields are white unto harvest. The fields are white and ready to come in. Be a soul winner. We're putting everything on pause during 21 days of prayer and fasting. But when these soul winning, when, when everything starts up and resumes normal schedule, Revival Today Veterans Brigade, the soul winning team, we're starting Revival Today uh, uh, executives. We're a guy that works with the Denver Broncos, great businessman. We're going to have for all the young entrepreneurs to bring your business friends in, hear the gospel, all that stuff. Ever, Revival Today Fitness. For people that are as committed to the gym as I am to the ministry. Some people, the gym's their God. We'll reach those people. Everybody that heads up one of those ministries or participates in those ministries, your goal should be winning the loss. Can I, let me tell you something. We, we dismiss around 1230, so don't get nervous. I know I've been talking a long time. I've never cared about any recognition from a denomination or church. I promise you title. The only thing I got that kind of touched my heart was when we did a crusade in Vineland, New Jersey. They called a special meeting of the city council and they presented me with a plaque from the town of Vineland, New Jersey. We had 908 people saved on the first night. 4,000 in attendance and there's only 60,000 and the mayor said he was having people meet him on the street and say thanks for having this guy in our city. I haven't touched heroin in three days. He said that people were coming to him on the street. It was a great meeting. So they called us into the city council and gave me a plaque from the city of Vineland, New Jersey. And it said, and this touched me, because it was from a, a secular thing. We give you this commendation for faithfulness in presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ for, to the city of Vineland, New Jersey in both word and deed. That meant my goal is to impact people. Not to be top preacher in a preaching contest. Christian TV had this thing, America's Next Top Preacher, where you preach and they judged you. That's a sure way to make sure you're a lousy preacher. My, even the goal in my preaching is not to have like nice clips. It's to get people saved, and then once they're saved, impacted. So everybody that's a part of the ministry, your, your recognition, you should be building. What do you want, an ice cream cake? What, what did we do for Pastor's Appreciation Day for me here? Nothing. I told them not to. You know what I told you? I said, if you want to appreciate me, get me 700 people here before September 28th, and you brought 1,057, somewhere around there. That's what I want. I want people. Because if I get a reward here, then that's all the reward you get. If they throw me a parade and I have the staff organize something where they can present me with some kind of trophy, then that's what I get. But if you do things not looking for a reward, your heavenly Father will reward you on that day. Now think of this. In heaven, which is a real place, picture a stadium. Whatever God built up there. Picture there with 
800 million people, 1.1 billion, whatever many there are, they got the whole thing back. Then they announced, what's, what's your name, Rick Moreno? Rick Moreno. And 1.1 billion people. And Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. Patricia, last name? What's your last name? Patricia Henry. We come down, everybody clapping. Peter clapping. David clapping. Samson, where is he? Ashamed yourself for laughing at something like that. Everybody clapping. Living with eternity in mind. Walking by all the heroes of faith. Good job. Good job. We were watching. I like that's what I would have done if I lived in Pennsylvania then. I'd have talked like you talk. I'd have disrespected the devil like you disrespect him. I'd have been unashamed. I pray, I pray from the depth of my being that everything that made Daniel, Daniel, everything that made David, David, everything that made Elijah, Elijah, everything that made Paul, Paul, Peter, Peter, would get into, because what made them great? The Holy Ghost. Did he die or is he still around? I pray everything that made them great would come into every one of you today. Their singleness of focus. Sirs, do you think we would obey you rather than God? Let us clearly state we would obey God rather than man. I've told you this story because it got to me. When I was preaching in South Africa and it came on the news that in the northern part of Kenya, Al-Shabib Islamic jihadists boarded a city bus and told everybody they have to recite the Islamic prayer or they'd, they'd shoot them. And all the Muslims happily recited it and all the Christians happily recited it except one guy who when they put the gun on him, he quoted John 3.16 and they shot him dead. Boom! Think you go right into the ditch. And they were interviewing his wife and kids on TV. You'd have thought that guy just scored the game-winning touchdown in Super Bowl 60. Oh, we heard. I heard what my husband did. We heard what our father did. He wouldn't bow and say the prayer. He quoted the scripture. We're so proud of him. We'll see him again in heaven. You'd never hear that in America. They're proud. What a way to go out. Uh, say it or we'll kill you. I like reading about that monk, or, or sorry, that preacher in the Middle Ages that they tied him to a post and he wouldn't recant his Bible teaching, so they burned him, put wood all around him and lit him on fire. And his last words were, you can flip me over, this side's done. And he died laughing. Let me tell you, I want to hang out with him in heaven. I feel like, well, you can flip me over. This side's done. Laughing. Eternity in mind. 
not trying to save their life here at the jeopardy of that life. We had to shut our church. They said if they didn't, they'd fine us. Oh. Oh. I see. We could have gone to jail. Find me someone in here who didn't do jail time. You almost can't trust a Christian that hasn't been to jail at least once. What a terrible thing to say. Say out loud, I'm living with eternity in mind. Number three, give to kingdom endeavors. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Number four, don't be a fool who runs out of oil. Matthew 25, 1 to 13. Five were wise, five were foolish. Five let their oil run out, and when the master came back, they weren't ready to meet him. Number five, how do you not let your oil run out? Partake of the powers of the world to come. Hebrews 6, 4, and 5. For they have shared or tasted of the powers of the world that is to come. You think I'm having Rodney Howard Brown in for fun because he's my friend? That guy carries the power of heaven. You missed Monday night. I don't know what to tell you. You're going to deal with people this year. I need prayer. You don't need prayer. You needed to be there on Monday night and you missed it, so now you need a lot of prayer. Because the Bible says, be followers of them who by faith and patience have obtained the promises of God. Can I have prayer for healing? How about just come Wednesday night and meet someone who carries God's healing power in a great way, that's given his life to that ministry for 45 years, setting up his tent in every country, farm, town, inner city, praying for the sick, praying for the blind, praying for the deaf. And Friday night, I need prayer for finances. No, you need to be there Friday night. Be followers of them who by faith and patience have obtained the promises of God. And I don't need a breather either. I could do 21 days like blinking, morning and night. It's actually easier to fast being in church. Harder when you're at home with the food network on. Be followers of them. How do you not let your oil go, run out? Hang around people that have oil. Don't go to some, I was listening to Brother Shambach. Don't go to some church that's a refrigerator, he said, full of cold, icy saints where they make room for backsliding and sin. If you, now this isn't the only church, but this is a church where if you plant yourself in this church, the fire that's on other people will rub off on you. I am thankful that I'm not the only one on fire in this church. I'm thankful that there's older people that are on fire. There's moms and dads that are on fire. There's youth group that's on fire. There's university age, young adults that are on fire. And I want you to make up your mind today, that fire will never go out. I will not be cold. I will not be lukewarm. I will run with the fire of God. Stand on your feet, everybody all over this place. Give Jesus a massive ovation. Come on, give Jesus a great big hand clap. Shout hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here and you don't know for sure that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, I want you to settle that now. You don't get in by luck. They don't have a drawing to see who gets to go to heaven and who doesn't. Every person will spend eternity in heaven or hell based on the decision they made while they were breathing. I want everybody that goes to university or college, when your philosophy professor says, 
What is life? Raise your hand and answer them. Life is the space of time that God gives every man and woman to repent before they enter into eternity. That's what life is. Take care of one thing for sure. That's why I'm preaching this right at the beginning of the year. You want 2023 to not be a repeat of other years? You want it to be the best year you've ever had? Live with heaven. The focus of every thought. The focus of everything you're planning. How can I make kingdom impact? How can I impact people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? I'm not a preacher. How can they hear unless there be a preacher? How can he go unless he is sent? One young man paid for the whole crusade in Pittsburgh. One young man paid for the whole crusade in Sturgis. How much does it cost? 200000 Here, here's 200000 That's somebody that made up their mind. I want to use my business to impact heaven. So it's not there's laity and preachers. How about that businessman starting that prayer group? What businessman cares? Why did T.L. Osborne's father, who was a, a farmer, build a building on his farm so that a traveling evangelist could hold meetings in that little town in Oklahoma? Why did Billy Graham's dad have businessmen into his farm to have a prayer meeting that God would touch North Carolina? God raised a preacher up. Oh, you want me to touch it? How about I'll, I'll use your son to do it, seeing as you're the one who let me use your property. Like Peter let Jesus use his boat. Peter tied his fishing boat in with the gospel, and the empty boat became full of fish. Tie your life into heaven. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. If you're here, let's take a care of first things first. Which one are you? Which judgment are you going to be at right now? If the thing was to take place right now, would you meet God as your judge or as your king? If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you must do that today. If thou wilt believe in thine heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. I know they teach you in this country, even in the churches in this country, everybody's going to go to heaven, all things work out. If that were true, we would have way less services here. Way less. Maybe Easter and Christmas and that's it. If everybody ended up in heaven, what's, you know, Knowing the terror of the Lord, we do work to persuade men. But 21 days of prayer and fasting, so this church carries a power. So anybody else that doesn't know whether they're a boy or a girl that comes in here gets touched by the power of heaven. And every bondage the devil's put on every teenager and child and marriage and family gets broken off by the fire of God. That's why. So if you're here... And you say, Jonathan, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven if I died right now. Or, I'm sure I want to go to heaven. Pittsburgh people are honest. West Virginia people are more honest. No, I know I'd go to hell. I'm not living right. No drunkard, no idolater, no liar, no one who practices witchcraft will enter that place. That's what the Bible says. We don't preach that because we're mean. We preach it because we're, we're kind want to dupe people into thinking they're going when they're not going. I'm going to tell you, we're all taking a trip to, to the Four Seasons in South Asia and going to stay on the beach. And then you go and you actually don't have a ticket or anything. 
you don't get to go. That's a, that, that, that's a evil person. How much more with heaven? I want you to go, home, go to lunch today. I know I'm ready to meet the Lord. On January 8th, 2023, I made, a, I made my decision. Anyone that's ashamed of me and my message in this wicked and I, uh, uh, adulterous generation, I'll be ashamed of him when I return. But I'm not joining those people. I'm going to make a public. I watched my dad do it for 45 years. My uncle, come out of the crowd. Stand at the altar. Why? Because some people are embarrassed. You need to get unembarrassed. You need to be proud. It's the thing you should be most proud of. I stood at an altar and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. If you're here and you say, Jonathan, I need to do that today. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. And I want to make, I want to make my decision sure right now. I want you to quickly put your hand up and wave it at me. And we're going to pray in Jesus' name. Put it up high because I'm on, I see you. Please stand up. Keep your hand up in Jesus' name. Very quickly, everyone that lifted a hand, you need to, to, to make things right with God. You want to make heaven your home. Come out of your chair right now and stand across this line and we're going to pray. We won't hold you long, but we're going to pray. Come right now. Everybody, if you want to come as friends, if you want to come as a couple, come. This is your day. Make things right with God. In Jesus' name. Hands in the back, come. Everyone that lifted a hand, come. If you're ashamed of me and my message, then I'll be ashamed of you. I'm not ashamed. I'm coming forward in Jesus' name. Anyone else before we pray? God's dealing with your heart. Those of you in Russia, when we pray, pray with us. Ukraine, pray with us. Belarus, Slovakia, wherever you're watching, this is your day to be saved. In Jesus' mighty name, come. If the Lord's dealing with your heart, come. Today's your day. Come right to the, the white line. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your name forever and ever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Anybody else before we... Hey! Awesome. Anyone else? If God's dealing with your heart, come out from a Hey! Awesome. Praise God. Come out from among them. Be ye separate. Touch not the unclean thing. I will be your God. And you will be my people. All of you that are standing, lift both hands to the Lord. Pray this from the bottom of your heart. Nice and loud so God can hear you. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, I turn my back on sin. I repent. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness. By the blood of Jesus, I am saved. I am forgiven. I am clean. In Jesus' name. Keep your hands lifted. Let me bless you. I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I loose the fire of the Spirit of God to burn bright on the inside of you. That you would stay on fire for God all the days of your life. The same boldness God gave you to step out of the crowd and make a decision for Him. Let that boldness multiply and overflow all the days of your life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name.
All God's people said amen. Welcome to the family of God. Your sins are all forgiven. That book, the Lamb's Book of Life, your name's written there. So nice to have you. Uh, where's, where's ours? Come here. This is Pastor Augustine. He's with me. We're going to give you a Bible. See those nice people over there? We're going to give you a Bible and other gifts to welcome you to the family of God. But before you walk away from me, make sure I don't ever see you. Make sure this isn't the last time we see each other. I want to be your pastor. I started this church for you, whether you know it or not. You grow up in this church, you're going to have a great year. I can promise you that. God will help you. He'll take you higher and higher. So that's why I'm going to give you what we're going to give you. You'll be in plain sight the whole time, so this is not an abduction. Go ahead, follow my friend. He's going to walk you right over there. We love you. Give your new sisters and your new brothers a big hand clap as they head that way. God bless you. Come on, give them a big, big hand clap. Give Jesus a great big hand clap. your hands down and look up at me. Uh, every person, I, I'm not doing this to try to build a crown. We had we had just under 400 people to pray and fast on Friday. So we already have a lot of people coming. We're actually preparing this week to deal with overflow problems. So this is not to try to build a crowd. We already have a crowd. For you, you missed these meetings. You didn't hear me say this last week. You miss these meetings at your own risk. You can't go to a Kenneth Hagin meeting anymore. There are, he's in heaven. You, you can go to a Rodney Howard Brown meeting. One day you'll tell people, I, I saw that guy preach. The guy that has a chapter devoted to him at Regent University on church history in America. Impacted the nation. I was at a Ted Shuttlesworth meeting. I saw somebody get healed. That's where I got healed. They told me I'd never be able to have a baby. Now I have three. That's the kind of things that happen at those meetings. And then Friday with Jesse Duplantis, you can tell people, I laughed myself a six-pack of abs and received an impartation of faith and of God's power. This week is a week of miracles. Now, lift your hands. I pray for you right now. What made Daniel Daniel? What made Abraham, Abraham? What made the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul? What made Stephen, Stephen? I lose that grace into you right now to live by faith, looking for a city, not considering this world your home, living with eternity in mind. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Give the Lord a great big hand clap. You can be seated briefly. Ushers, bring the, the buckets up here. I'm going to have people bring their offerings today. Ben, you can stay there. Give your best to the Lord. I want to thank everybody who watched online. Just on uh, the, the online giving has been astronomical. So I want to thank everybody that's watching. I can't see you because the camera's in the way. But on the other side of that lens, I'm looking at great people watching in their living room. Some people in California watch before they go to church. People in South Africa watch after they get home from church. Thank you for your great giving. Thousands and tens of thousands from people we've never met. 
car mechanic shops in New Zealand. I'm blown away. Thank you for your giving and for all the people here in Pittsburgh. Thank you for your radical giving. Whatever you give to the Lord. Say this out loud. Where my treasure is, there my heart is also. When you give significantly from your life to the cause of Christ, to the kingdom of God, it actually ties your heart in with God. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Anyone that ever leaves a church, you can ask any, any old pastor. They stop giving about six months before they live. The money always checks out before they check out. If a husband goes to leave his wife for another woman, you'll find he stopped giving her gifts for quite a while. And the woman he left her uh, for, he started giving her gifts before they, before they even moved in together. Because where your, where your heart goes, there your treasure is. So your giving will actually tie your heart into the kingdom of God. There would never be any way to prove it. But of the churches that agreed to shut down in 2020, I would like to see what percentage of the pastors were tithers. Because I don't, I don't believe if your heart's tied into the, to the church and the kingdom with your giving, you react differently. This is actually, the tithe and offering is something you can do that ensures you won't backslide. Who have you ever heard that walked away from God but kept their giving up? I'm never going to church again, but make sure you pick up my tithe on the way and take it for me. No. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. Now, there are some exceptions. Who was that comedian in the 1980s that used to be a preacher and then he fell away from God? He used to be uh, Sam Kinison. He's an exception. He was a preacher. He completely backslidden, became a stand-up comedian, got super famous. His brother was his road manager and every comedy club that gave him a check he would have his brother take 10% of it and drop it off at the nearest Pentecostal church weird my grandfather in the Shuttlesworth my great grandfather never would go to church sent his tithe from the coal mine to the Pentecostal church and, and look what it did somehow his son luckily got saved and had four sons that luckily became preachers you store up treasure for yourself in heaven. Can you say amen? You can lose money, in, and I'm not against investing, I invest. But you can lose money in the stock market, you can lose it in the bond market, you can lose it in the real estate market. It is impossible to lose anything that you commit to the kingdom of God. You return 130, 60, and 100 fold. And I don't believe that this year you see the 100 fold return. $7.1 million was our record, up from $5 million the year before, which was a record, up from $3 million the year before, which was a record. Then you go to 15-2. I would like to see in church history what the record is for a first-year church, how much money they give. We'd have to be up there. I thought the evangelistic ministry would carry the church, but it didn't. The church more than carried itself. We're not, this isn't a pack of bums looking for handouts. These are champion men and women of God in their generation. And what I'm going to tell you something. Whatever greatness you saw in 2022, whatever great things you saw God do in your life, I tell you, the best is yet to come. Don't have an expectation for a mediocre 2023. It's not going to get slightly better than 2022. You're going to have the greatest year you've ever had in Jesus' name. If you're watching online, you can go to RevivalToday.com and click give now, revivaltoday.com.
click give now and all the ways to give are right there we have a bunch of online members of the church that give all the time thank you you know i got um i got my first invitation to alberta canada to preach edmonton alberta and um, we looked up the pastor who invited us and he was fined over a million dollars for keeping his church open the entirety of the pandemic in Canada. And he, he has a large church. And that was all I needed to know about him. I actually don't even care what denomination he is. If you're willing to do that, that's all I need to know about you. And now he's flying high. Health inspector would come in every Sunday with a clipboard and walk around as they were praying and as he was preaching, writing people's names down who was unmasked. Those are the kind of people you're going to meet in heaven or in Edmonton, Alberta. Great people. Heaven is a home of overcomers. How many of you are overcomers here? Well, the buckets are there. You know what? Let's lay them. Hmm. I guess my Uncle Ted's coming to pray for the deaf on Wednesday. So if you, if you have to get that close to the subwoofer, it's fine. Because then if I lay them closer, then you have to bend over pretty far. So... But I do, I do like people bringing their gift to the altar and walking it forward. Amen? Nene? Stand up so everybody can see you. You look great. So glad you made this your church home. Yeah. I feel like if I ever meet someone that says I need prayer for depression, I'm just going to send them to your house. You don't even have to pray. Just sit by you and they'll be fine. How many of you were blessed today? How many of you have been blessed on this time of fasting and prayer so far? Now week two is going to be great. Did I cover all the announcements? Stand on your feet, everybody. Nobody die this week. Be protected. No trips to the hospital this week. Father, I don't have excess energy to do hospital visits during this fast, so keep everyone super healthy. May they have no broken bones, only if necessary break others' bones. In Jesus' name. I said we, we, we thank you for angels that watch over and protect other people. I pray all the teenagers that are here would have great success in school, that God would even use you this week at your school to bless people's lives. I pray for all the university students college students, that God would begin to open doors. Like that businessman started that prayer meeting. I pray the Lord would begin to speak to everybody what their role is to play in this great awakening. Thank you for a mighty revival that shakes America this year. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. One second. Uno segundo. Praise God. This time of fasting and prayer is planting seeds for a, a, a shaking of God on the United States of America. America is not going to have the final chapter of its history written by the devil. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to write the final chapter of the United States of America. And then we'll go to heaven and get our reward. You know Rodney Howard Brown that's coming on Monday? They had 1,509 people come to the altar to receive Jesus Christ 
on Christmas Day, Sunday morning. New people. 4,000 in attendance. God's not finished with America. And you know why? I'm looking at it. This world's wicked. I know, I know a whole ton of unwicked people. Everybody say, I'm not wicked. I'm righteous. And the righteous shall possess the land. Bring your seed. Go ahead. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.